Hello, everybody, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the Daily Journal's podcast about Mississippi State, Ole Miss, the SEC, and beyond. I am Michael Katz. I am here with Stefan Kreischnick, the travel-weary Stefan Kreischnick. Stefan, how are you doing? How is Fayetteville? Yeah, no, I'm fresh off of a six, seven-hour drive, however long it was. Um, you know, I, I got to say, um, coming into to covering SEC football for the first time and kind of traveling SEC country, um, people really hyped up. Um, I think Athens with Georgia and, and both Alabama schools and um, Oxford obviously has a great reputation, um, you know, in terms of being an, an SEC environment and what kind of the town and the cities, the towns and cities are like, um, you know, Fayetteville is underrated, man. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time um, in Fayetteville. I thought uh, the area surrounding Fayetteville, the drive, once you get like past Little Rock, from Little Rock to Fayetteville is very scenic. Um, and then, you know, even as you approach, um, you know, campus itself, it's still very scenic. Um, I thought the stadium was cool. Um, I thought the, the crowd delivered, it was, you know, close to 70,000 fans, um, you know, all around, it was just, um, a, a great weekend. And I advise anyone, if, if your team is playing in Arkansas, or if you just want to, you know, go visit, you know, a place you've never gone before, Fayetteville is probably one of those uh, underrated places that maybe should be on your bucket list. I have nothing but high praise for it. Now, we are obviously going to get into all, all, all the big games. Uh, it's a good thing our alma maters don't play football because I would hate to have to talk about uh, our schools. I have, I have completely disassociated. That degree is going to come down soon. I'm just right. Yeah, I, got, I finally I'm put mine up. I, I finally put mine up and I'm thinking, you know, basketball's right around the corner, baby. I eat women's basketball number eight in the eight people. <laughs> But uh, I, I have to ask, are, are you going to be trying out to be Mississippi State's kicker? Because that was I, – I, I, I heard Mike Leach say it. I, I, I listened to it back. I'm, I'm not sh- – it's hard to tell with him uh, if there was like – if it was like a big own on the curtain kicker. I, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that whole situation. Maybe you can just kind of explain it for anybody who, uh, who, who isn't fully aware. Yeah, so I went, I mean, I just finished four years of college, but I never played a, a varsity sport. So I think I still have eligibility if that were to be the case. Um, but they, man, it would be really stupid low if, uh, if they came to me. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the tryout situation, um, you know, part of it, it could definitely be Leach just kind of trying to push his guys. Granted, I don't know how much more you need to be pushed after blowing a game for your team. Like, like is that, if that's not enough motivation to come back the next game and play better then you're probably in a wrong, wrong. Yeah. I, I think they got the message. Right. Right. Um, you know, the second part of it is, is how serious was he in saying that now? Like he didn't like, like Leach has done like his candy core ran. You kind of get a smirk on his face. I mean, he looks pretty stone cold and granted that's probably just him being frustrated off a loss of a tough loss, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the King situation moving forward. Because I mean, the, the argument has been made, I've seen it on social media and, and I've seen it in, in some articles written, um, you know, he, he kind of threw his players under the bus, his kickers under the bus. And, and it's true. And I, it's tough for me to picture a situation where, um, you know, if you're Brandon Ruiz or Nolan McCord, you're really like, what, what, what is motivating you right now? Unless you're trying to literally prove your own head coach wrong to, to come back. I mean, it's, it's really hard. And it's, it's something that we haven't really seen from coaches in the past. You know, when I wrote about it, um, when I wrote my gamer story yesterday, um, as tough as it was for me, I mentioned Matt Nagy and Cody Parkey and the double doink. And, 
you know, Matt Nagy came out right away and was like, I don't know, like, it sucks that he missed that, but I'm not throwing him under the bus. Like, you know, we could have played better. We could have done all this. It shouldn't have come down to him, all this and that. It wasn't until Matt Nagy or, sorry, Cody Parkey started going on today's show and stuff where the Bears were like, okay, screw this guy. Like, Yeah, that was very weird. We didn't want to make it about him, and now he's making it about himself. So, like, okay, if you want us to make it about you, you suck, and we should have, we should have cut you midway through the season. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 interesting to see. I, I think the favorite part of that clip as a reporter is we get on the Zoom call, Leach the sound, and he's like, um, we're going to have open tryouts for kickers. You guys can go ahead and announce that. As if the tweets weren't, like, half written already, he gave us the go-ahead to finally announce it. So it's kind of interesting there. Um, a weird situation, I, I don't – I can't think off the top of my head that I've seen a coach handle a, a bad kicking game immediately post game like that. It, I, I'm sure there are examples, um, you know, that I could just can't think of. And it's also, it's also, just, I can't think of an example with a kicker like that. Um, but man, I mean, if, if a quarterback has a terrible game, you know, people call them out right away. Head coaches will call them out. You know, if, if a linebacker has a terrible game, people will call them out. Um, we, we don't see it always with kickers. Um, especially both kickers or the kicking game as a whole. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I don't know what the kicking situation looks like. I know Mississippi State's women's soccer team is really good. They don't have a men's team. If they really want to go, you know, reaching for like a Sarah Fuller type thing, it, it's there, I guess. I don't really know how good anyone is. That That's kind of the first thing that comes to mind um, in terms of other options literally on campus. Maybe there's a, a secret um, situation and, um, you know, before, I don't want to get into it too much, but uh, I'll have a story later this week on uh, a Texas Tech situation where Leach kind of went out and found found himself a little bit of a low-key kicker. So I won't touch too much on that. But, um, yeah, just I haven't seen a coach handle it like that. Um, you know, I, I can see both sides of, you know, people's opinions. Um, you know, I understand Leach's frustration. I understand not wanting to throw a player under the bus. You know, whatever side you stand on, it's, it's what he said. Um, and, and at the root of it, what he said is correct. And that Mississippi state does not have a kicker right now and hasn't really had a kicker all season. And it kind of gets overshadowed when you're playing well and winning games. And suddenly you lose a game because of your kicking game and you're wondering, Hey, why wasn't this taken care of a while ago? And it's, it's, it's Mississippi state situation now. reminder that you can follow justify your existence on your favorite podcast platform or at djournal.com slash podcasts also check us out on twitter at djournal sports or in the mississippi state discussion uh, with parish alford and stefan kreishnik or the uh, Ole miss discussion with parish alford and michael katz facebook groups um let's but before we get into the Ole miss thing we might as well get into uh your your, your game the mississippi state uh, arkansas game i i saw the ending of it uh, obviously a brutal way to end it kind of take me up to, to, to what kind of led to that circumstance. It's, 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 it sounds like it was a, it was, it was a great game, but it, it, if I'm not mistaken, Mississippi state probably had some chances. Right. Yeah. The, the discussion about the kicking game, you know, it's kind of just is what it is. Everyone knows that Mississippi state doesn't have a kicker and that's, you know, where you move on from there. Um, the reason Mississippi state got in that situation and what Leach said was the biggest negative of the game is the first first quarter hole um, they got themselves into down ten nothing for the second straight game, um, you know it's it's been an issue with Mississippi State all season is is coming out um, you know early in games and kind of establishing themselves in those first couple of drives. Uh, I believe it was five yards on Mississippi State's opening two drives, four incompletions for Will Rogers. Who, I mean, Will Rogers might not you know make big plays, but he's going to complete passes right. Like 
the week before he completed 92% of his passes for an SEC record. So when he's coming out, you know, four consecutive completions, I did think Arkansas's defense was doing a good job. They laid a couple um, big hits across the middle of the field in, in the first couple of plays on Mississippi State's receivers. You know, and as soon as you do that, you know, next time you throw it to that receiver and he drops it, you're wondering, well, why did he drop it? Probably because he's thinking about how he's going to get lit up like he did the play before. Arkansas did a lot of things right. Mississippi State did a lot of things wrong. And it combined, it, it was a combination for a 10 nothing hole for Mississippi State early. Mississippi State finally on their third drive kind of gets some things going, uh, throws a bad interception. You, you, you should have at least, I'll say this, they would have at least been in field goal range had not been for that uh, interception. I don't know what would have happened on the kick. Um, fourth possession, uh, again, get a decent amount of yards, get in field goal range. You get the first field goal miss. Fifth possession, they get, go down and get a touchdown. And I got into this, to this trend, and, and Mississippi State, after the first two drives, did not punt. There was the interception, and the, there was two punts, the interception, and then there was either a touchdown or field goal miss. And if you're a Mississippi State fan, I'm like, that's killer because you, you went out there. I mean, if, if you told any Mississippi State fan that, hey, Mississippi State's going to have nine possessions or whatever it was, and only two of them are going to be punts, it's going to be the opening two, you're probably thinking, all right, we're either turning the ball over a ton or we're scoring a lot of points which in Mississippi State's case was they should have been scoring a lot of points. They should have ended that game with uh, 37 points or something like that. Um, would have been the third straight game with 30-plus points for Mississippi State. So it, it was a lot of things wrong to start the game that kind of – when you're playing in a hostile environment like that, starting off slow is one thing. Like being down 10 nothing against Arkansas is one thing. Being down 10 nothing on the road at Arkansas means that crowd of 60,000-plus is going to be right into it from the start, and it's not going to get any easier for you. And then that's what happened. That's what happened for Mississippi State. So um, defensive side of the ball, it's kind of what Arkansas has been doing against defenses all year. You know, 200-plus rushing yards. Um, you know, K.J. Jefferson, it, it, impossible to bring down. When Mississippi State scored a touchdown with about two and a half minutes to go to take the lead, um, you know, Arkansas comes down in, in two minutes and, and scores on their own drive, and, and a lot of that was – um, first, a questionable holding call on a fourth down against Mississippi State. And then after that, um, KJ Jefferson, with a goal to go situation, evades like three sacks and, and gets down near the goal line for first down. Um, and then they just punch it in from there. So it's like, it, it's a combination of a lot of things poor offense at the start, poor defense at the very end, and then terrible kicking all the way in between. And, and, and that's kind of just a recipe that. Um, you know, a, a good team can play bad and win, you know, at Arkansas like that. And I think Mississippi State is a good team. But at some point, the mistakes kind of start to pile up. And if you're not a great team, it's really hard to win that game. And right now, that's about where Mississippi State is at, is that they're really good. But um, they, they just don't have, um, you know, it's always one thing. It's always that one thing that, that costs Mississippi State a game. And, and that, that's kind of what you usually get from a team that's five and four and three and three in conference play. Do you think this was their, you know, quote unquote, toughest loss and like biggest gut punch yeah i think it is because the memphis game as tough of a loss as it was you kind of walk away from it thinking like the referees really did screw over mississippi state in that game like that's a terrible call and, and I, I and i went on the record and i said that mississippi state should have done a lot of things better and they should have in that game but you know the, the officiating really did cost them that game to to a major degree um the lsu loss i think looking back is a gut punch but at the time you're kind of like you know what like sec opener Ed Orgeron was still, you know, full-time head coach at the time, or at least, at least thought to be. Um, so like th that loss, maybe not as tough. Alabama loss obviously was what it was. Um, I, I would say this is the toughest loss because like Mississippi state fully lost this game. Like 
they left nine points on the board. It, it's not like Arkansas was blocking these kicks. Like there was nine points left on the board. Um, Mississippi State should have won this game by at least a field goal because I know Arkansas also missed the field goal. This Mississippi State should have won this game, mathematically speaking. Before we get into the Ole Miss side of things, we need to talk about Florida. Yes. Is Florida okay? Is Dan Mullen okay? No. I uh, I think Florida will be okay because Florida's always going to recruit well, right? As long as they're recruiting. Yeah, so, well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's half the battle, apparently. You know, I've been telling myself that about USC, that they're going to be fine for like 10 years, and uh, here we are. Uh, I, I like Shane Beamer a lot, and I think he's going to build a nice program there, but South Carolina should not score 40 points. Uh, that's no. I'm sorry. With no. their, like, eighth quarterback. Yes. Uh, they're, I, like – that like South Carolina looking for quarterbacks right now is like, hey, we're having open tryouts for quarterback. <laughs> and yeah, man, it's it's not looking good for Dan Mullen. Like a couple of weeks ago when they lost LSU, it wasn't looking great. But it was like maybe you just you, you kind of get some momentum at the end of the season, don't have any bad losses, and you're fine. You come back and like you gotta, but now it's like he's on the hot seat. He's gotta be on the hot seat, right? And I think a lot of Florida fans are kind of looking at what he did at Mississippi State and being like, maybe that's his peak. Because, like, in, in reality, like, what, what Mullen's peak at Mississippi State is, is not what Florida fans want. Like, Mississippi State fans, granted, like, they had a real chance of being national title contenders where you went, like, five weeks of being the number one team in the nation. But, like, what he accomplished with Dak Prescott, like, a lot of Mississippi State fans would be thrilled if they're winning eight, nine, ten games every season, right? Florida fans aren't happy with that. They're not happy with eight wins, nine wins. And suddenly you're looking at it and you're like, you know what? Maybe, maybe Dan isn't much better than, than what he showed before you hired. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's like in a perfect world, you fire him and you find someone better, but is there really someone out there better? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't know what's, you know, you see, it's like, it's, it's the Texas conundrum, right? Where like you fire a coach who was moderately successful and then you hire one who is somehow like less moderately successful. And sometimes this assistant coach's girlfriend has a monkey, but. (laughs) It could, I mean, (laughs) totally unrelated now, I guess, but it could kind of be like Dan Mullen, like could just be, in a Harbaugh situation where like Florida needs to decide, like, I mean, it's the same thing with Michigan. It's fans have a lot higher expectations than what Jim Harbaugh has brought. But if you're the athletic department, like, do you kind of say, Hey, a fan's expectation is not always reality. And are we going to find someone better than Jim Harbaugh? It, it's an argument that goes either way because like, I mean, Miss Michigan state went out and got Mel Tucker and it's like, I mean, you know, like, was that a boom hire? Not really, but it doesn't mean it's, not, it's a bad hire. And like, like Mel Tucker, I think right now, everyone would argue is better than Harbaugh. I mean, even coming off that loss, I think Mel Tucker, I mean, has beaten Harbaugh two, two seasons in a row. So it's, it's, I, I get both sides of the argument. Like, who are you going to find better than Mullen? But also it's like someone on paper might not look better than Mullen, but like if you interview them and you talk to them and like you figure it out, like it could be a better hire, you know? It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to balance. It's hard for a program like, and I, and I don't give much sympathy to programs like Florida, Michigan, because it's not always that hard for them. But like, sometimes it's hard where you're balancing the reality of what you got versus what you expect and what your fans expect 
and how you find that in between. Because at, at the end of the day, whoever Florida gets, they're competing with Alabama and Georgia, right? And Auburn and Texas A&M. Yeah, you know how the most miserable job on earth is going to be whoever has to take over for Nick Saban because yes, they they can go like nine and three, and it's yeah. it's gonna be like oh. cut his head off. Like no, he's oh. not good enough. Right. Uh, no, and that's the thing with Florida. They had such a good run with Urban Meyer. Like Will Muschamp went eleven and two one season. Like that was <laughs> a thing that happened. Right. Um, and he got axed like a year or two later. Um, it's just the expectations just get so high after a little bit of success. And, you know, USC had the same thing after Pete Carroll and they ended up firing lane, a, you know, a couple years after a 10 and two season. Um, right. You know, I, I think it's the grass isn't always greener. And, uh, you know, Dan Mullen has, has not, he, he's done a lot of the wrong things lately. He has not, he's not helped his case. Um, he does. No. He looks like a hostage at this point. Losing, losing with the combination of making you know bad comments and, and press conferences and stuff is not a really good combination. No, exactly. You got to at least make it look like you care, right? Um, uh, we the, the the other interesting one for me here, um, you know, A and M Auburn. I was not super surprised. I think A and M is a really really good team. You probably have more insight on A and M than I do. I will see them this coming week. Uh, what are your thoughts on on this Auburn? Uh, AM game. Uh, AM, it, it sure seems like they're peaking at the right time. Yeah, it seems like AM from last year, right? Like, this is just exactly how it went down. Um, my thoughts on that game. Well, at halftime, I didn't think either team wanted to win. And I was thinking, how many stupid overtimes is this game going to go? Um, and then, yeah, Texas AM just dominated in the second half. You know, bad Bo Nix, right? Like, we've kind of been, we were expecting that. Um, you know, when you get a few consecutive games of good Bo Nix, you're kind of expecting bad Bo Nix. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Texas, Texas A&M, Texas A&M is good. And I think we're realizing now that, you know, who they were against Mississippi State, maybe. I mean, there's a reason, you know, they're, they're ranked as, as much higher than Mississippi State than they are because, you know, they, they've really turned around since that loss and, and beating Alabama will do that for you. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're kind of in the driver's seat right now for the Sugar Bowl slash, you know, somewhere in the New Year's Six Bowl, depending on how Alabama and Georgia shakes up in the playoff, it's just it, – it, it's, it's, it's got to be infuriating as a fan of Texas A&M because you, you, two consecutive years where you're closing out like this and they're going to go into next season and whether they're going to say in media days that they, they can beat Alabama and they can beat a contender and it's going to be the same thing. And then it's like, you know, you lose an early season game and your season's over you know, or, or a couple early season games. So it's, it's hard to just look at Texas A&M and be like, I think they're really good right now. And I think they're probably one of the 10 best teams in the nation. Um, but it's also hard to say that's going to translate to national title success in the coming years. That's kind of in between you got to find with Auburn. You know, I think that's kind of the Auburn team I expected all season one that's like decent, but then when they're put in an environment like that against a team like that, they can't really do too much. That's what happened. I, I still think me and you, like both, kind of what we talked about last week is Auburn deserves a little more credit than we gave them. Um, but with that being said, that was kind of a, a comeback down to earth type moment. Um, they're they're going to be looking to bounce back big against Mississippi State. You kind of would almost have rather been facing Auburn off a win there than off a loss because um, they're going to they're going to look to win big um, and, and they're going to look to build some momentum and maybe get um, you know as much rest as they can. 
um, heading into Bama week because for them, there's still a lot to play for. I mean, think about Ole Miss, Mississippi State. You know, both those teams could be what zero and nine at this point, and an Egg Bowl would mean a lot. You know, that's that's what the Iron Bowl is. Um, and I think Auburn knows they have a real shot at home to beat Alabama this year, um, but not not playing like they did yesterday. That's for sure. I would um, like to raise my hand and apologize to LSU. Um, I, I that one. I thought that was – I didn't think they covered the spread. It was 28 and a half or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, no, they did not cover – Did not think it was going Alabama to be a six-point game. Yeah. Uh, that was – a credit to LSU for uh, – we've talked about this. I don't know what your motivation is, given everything that's happened in this program um, and the coaching situation, but a lot of credit to them for sticking through it. And that's right. – you know, there's no moral victories, but that was that was really impressive. Right. Best interim coach of all time. If, if it, you know, that's, that's the key is you have to fire him immediately after you hire him. And then you're right. going 14 and 0 every year. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about Georgia and Missouri. Uh, Missouri once they led three, nothing at one point. I was yelling, stop, call the game. Moral victory, uh, baby. Unfortunately, they did not stop the game. <laughs> uh, Kentucky, Tennessee. I'm not surprised with Tennessee. I think Tennessee, Josh Heupel's doing a really nice job there. I do right. want to talk about, one national game um, would also like to, I don't think we talked about this one, but uh, TCU Baylor apologies to the Horn Frogs, because I thought with the whole Gary Patterson situation, yeah. they were dead. Yeah. And then they go out and beat a very, very good Baylor team. That was, I think the key to college football is like, you need to get to like 10 and 0 and then fire your head coach. If you want to like, just finish out the run. Hmm. If USC ever gets 10-0, and 0, I'll, uh, I'll keep that on the spot. <laughs> um, all right, so, so let's, let, let, let's go to Ole Miss. Uh, we have some very important things with Ole Miss to talk about um, with college game day and whatnot. But before we get into that, the Liberty game was weird. I'm not sure if you got to watch any of that one. I didn't really get to see much of it, but I, I kept track of the score, and it was a lot different than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, so Ole Miss jumps out to a 24-0 lead. Second play of the game is a 70-yard run from Jerry and Ely. We're all thinking, I can write my story at halftime. This is awesome. And then Ole Miss just kind of – the offense just kind of stopped. And Malik Willis looked – he had a rough game for sure. Um, but he did enough to keep them in the game. And, you know, with a minute left, they were on the verge of making it a one-possession game. Uh, he, you know, he got picked off in the end zone. Uh, he was his third pick of the game, I believe. Um, but, you know, the final was 27-14. It, it, it was like one of those games where at halftime, you wouldn't have thought that it could have been close. And then all of a sudden, with a minute left, it's almost an onside kick situation. And this has kind of been the Ole Miss conundrum is play really, really well in spurts, but they haven't really put together that one full game yet. And with who's coming on the schedule, particularly this next week, you better be able to put four quarters together um, or else A&M is, is going to make life pretty miserable. Um, you know, Matt, Matt Corral, I, you know how I feel about that. I think he's the toughest player in college football. I think he's the most important player to his team in college football. Dude's playing on one leg right now. If there was an MVP trophy instead of a Heisman trophy, I think Matt Corral would have it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've, I've had some people argue with me 
because Twitter is a very good place for the, for the discourse. It's a healthy place for sure. Um, people argue with me that Caleb Williams of, uh, of Oklahoma is the most important, to which I say they were undefeated before he came in. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I think Oklahoma would be fine with Spencer Rattler. They've literally proven it. It's a decent backup. Player. Yeah, you can do a lot worse. Uh, the guy who was supposed to win the Heisman and be the number one pick in the draft. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, and Lane has said this, like, it, it's hard to imagine where this team is without Matt Corral. Um, and you never, you know, they're going to have to think about the future at some point, but I, I think they're pretty lucky to have him. And, uh, you know, he, he threw for a quiet 327 yards or whatever it was, um, you know, missing two of the top three receivers, um, patchwork offensive line. Um, you know, that 24, nothing lead you, as like Lane Kiffin said, like, I thought this was the game where we put it all together and when, and we, you know, we win by a lot and then it just, it gets interesting at the end. Um, and I don't, I don't think they want to play an interesting games unless it's been coming back. Right. You know? Um, again, Malik Willis is a really good player. There's a reason there were, I think 16 NFL teams there. Uh, it was the Matt Corral and, and Malik but that was why people were there. I thought the funniest thing, I think you tweeted that the Broncos had like five scouts there or something. And I'm like, what, like what we all know why you're there. Like look at the, you know, since Peyton Manning, look at who they've had at quarterback. We all know why the Broncos are there at that point. When you got, when you got those two guys on the field, at quarterback, just send Elway, just give him, you know, let him sit there. He's going to pick who he wants. Anyways, always he's the, the quarterback guru. Just send him. Why five scouts? The, the problem with Elway, though, is they're not tall enough for him. He has a type. True. He, he, like, he likes 6'5", and I think, like, Malik is, like, 6'1". I think Matt's around 6'1", 6'2". Uh, <laughs> so I, I think they had to bring in the real scouts because I don't think – I think John would have walked away. I don't think he would have watched the game. They're too short. He would have he seen a defensive end and be like, that's my quarterback. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, John Elway definitely has a type. John Elway uh, – uh, actually, I saw him at the Arkansas game watching K.J. Jefferson. <laughs> Wait, are you serious? No, but it would okay, be because I would not have been surprised because that's, that's, <laughs> that's his type. Uh, that, that's funny. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was just uh, – I think it had an opportunity for Ole Miss to have their best game of the year and just the circumstances with it being Hugh Freeze and um, just a lot of – it's crazy that Ole Miss actually has one player on the team who was recruited by Hugh Freeze. Um, and he got his first career interception yesterday. Wow. Which is wild to think about. Is, I didn't know that. I didn't Six know that. Six years in the making. Um, wow. I just, that's. Hugh Freeze magic, baby. Yeah. You know, Hugh was, he, 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 he proved Jalen Jones right after all these years. Yes. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of emotions there. And, um, and I know it was really emotional for Hugh Freeze by all accounts. And, and he handled it really, really well. Uh, he, he loves Oxford. He's never had anything but good things to say. Um, but it, it just, with everything around the game, it just had the opportunity for it to kind of be like the clinching, like, all right, this is, this is Ole Miss. Ole Miss is, is good to go. And they just didn't, they didn't quite finish it like they should have. And uh, with this big game coming up against a and I, I think they could have used the kind of complete performance to, to hang their hat on. I mean, you know how good A&M is. I'm, A&M is really good. They're, they're peaking right now. Um, it's it's going to be a heck of a game. Uh, I was just talking to my my parents who I'm pretty sure were more excited about college game day being here than they were about me getting into college. That's all <laughs> they wanted to talk about. I was like, wow, how am I doing? I'm doing great, guys. And AM, AM is really good. And I will say that 
Um, you know, people people will look at their loss um, against Mississippi State. I don't think AM played particularly bad that game. I really thought Mississippi State just kind of played a complete game. And, and Ole Miss has a blueprint there of how you beat Texas A&M. I almost will not throw nearly as much as Mississippi State does. But, like, the blueprint is there, and the blueprint says you need to play really well because A&M, even when they lose, doesn't make too many mistakes. Yeah, and the thing is, is this Ole Miss team is beat up. Uh, they're missing linemen, two of their top few receivers. I'm not sure what the situation is going to be going into next week, but, you know, Matt's hobbling around. Um, it, it's another a, a thing overlooked in that Liberty game is like they really could have used a blowout in the sense of like put the other guys in rest. Yeah. Yeah, no, it would have been a great opportunity to put Luke Altmaier and, and some of those those backups in. Uh, but unfortunately, you had to keep Matt out there because, right. you know, when I was on the field, like at the end of the game, I was like it, it when, I, when at halftime it never occurred to me that I might have to re, like change my story when I was right. on the field. And there came a point where it's like, oh, man, am I going to have to do this again? Like, sorry, Parrish. Like, it's going to yeah. take a little extra time. But uh, San Texas AM is going to be here for college game day this next week. It's the second time game day has ever been in Oxford, which is kind of crazy to think about. Uh, obviously, the, the first time was the legendary Katy Perry um, appearance back in 2014 for the Alabama game, a game that Ole Miss won. I, I have put it out into the social media universe asking who – the guest picker should be for this game. Got a lot of weird ones. College football Reddit has picked it up. They are demanding it's Katy Perry. Uh, Lane Kiffin sometimes tweets at Katy Perry. So that would be hilarious if it is Katy Perry. I'm curious, who do you think should be who like who who, who is who's like your top five guest pickers for this game? All right, top five, putting him on the spot. Well, um, Katy Perry would be fun. I didn't know about the Katy Perry thing. That would be fun, though. I'm not a huge Katy Perry like fan. Whoa, I, think, whoa. I have nothing against her personally. I just, you know, you know what her music's fine. It's not really what I listen to. Her music's fine. It's okay, um, dude. If I <laughs> my top five, number one, I think the flag behind me probably speaks for itself. But a White Sox fan, it's got to be Lance Lynn. Um, ironically enough, nicknamed the Bulldog. So there's that. Um, but, but bring Lance home. Bring him home. Let him pick. He's he's a personality. Um, he might swear. You might get that on game day. Well, they've had that before. So. Yeah, yeah, that's happened before. Um, you know, I've seen him hot mic with the White Sox before. He, he's he's one that that'll swear. Um, you know, I I will say if I'm doing a top five, Katy Perry probably cracks the top five just because it would probably be wild. Great and the, the thought of like Lee Corso and like Katy Perry and like the setting is like not something I like can process, but like it'll happen, I guess, if it does. Um, you, you put the Mannings up there, um, you know, in terms of top five, though, I, I would be surprised if they went with Eli a few weeks after his retirement, um, bringing Arch Manning in would be an all time move. Um, you know, DK Metcalf probably up there. Um, yeah, but number one, I would go a uh, biasly saying, um, Lance Lynn would probably be my guy there. Bring the bulldog home, baby. No, Lance Lynn's a good one. I I totally forgot uh, about his Ole Miss connection. Selfishly, uh, um, what's, oh, I forgot the name. Of, it's slipping my mind. The basketball player, Marshall Anderson. Yes, that would be very bring fun. him home. No, that yes. that would be that would only be really only if there's a student section opposing student section for him to jump into. Yes, naturally. Yes. Yes. You have to set up a Texas A&M section. And have <laughs> um, yeah. No. So. Uh, I've recently learned that that Morgan Freeman is an Ole Miss fan, which is a thing. 
That would be cool. Be awesome if he's around. Not sure what the schedule looks like. Um, yeah. If they could get him, that would be awesome. Uh, Kay Perry, again, just the content. It would just be a lot of gifts. Just a lot of really good stuff can come of that. Uh, I, I remember watching it the first time and thinking I was having an out-of-body experience seeing Katy Perry sitting next to Lee Corso. She was holding a corn dog, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't remember why, but um, that would be otherworldly. Um, I do like, the, I, I, I like the Mannings. I feel like it's a little bit overplayed. I think Arch should do it and then announce his commitment and just totally like overshadow Corso's uh, headwear. Well, especially or, if he commits or, to some, another school. No, what, what uh, Arch should put on a helmet for whatever school. And instead of Corso doing his thing, that should be the last That's, shot. That would be clever. That would be really good for content. Um, Marshall Henderson is one that came to mind just because he's out of control. And uh, I know he, he was back here fairly recently because he, he, uh, he played horse against our friend John. So Yeah, he did. Uh, he beat John, too. He did. Well, that, I, I hope so. <laughs> I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad he could beat John in, in basketball. <laughs> but, um, I mean, if – I know he's not – an Ole Miss guy, but I feel like Matthew McConaughey is always around. Okay. Um, and it's an SEC connection because Texas. If we're going SEC connections, let's let's bring in the monkey. <laughs> Without getting too deep, um, I, I think that would be a great one. Yes. Um, I, I think there's a lot of good opportunities. Uh, I think a lot of people really want Katy Perry because it was so weird. Yeah, you don't really get her in any other situation like that. No, no. Right. Um, Morgan Freeman would be good, though. Yes, um, I maybe, agree. Has he ever been on game day? I can't. I don't. That's a good question. I don't know. Um, but he uh, he loves tweeting like at Ole Miss basketball. He comes to games sometimes. There you go. Um, so yeah, maybe he'll do a cool voiceover. They have uh, options. They have options. No, they do. Um, I just hope they – uh, I, I hope they get a good one. I know they've got a, a few days to figure it out, but uh, it, exciting times. I'm excited. Uh, I know it's funny. A lot of people here were like, when we when they heard that game day was coming here, they were like, "Ugh, I have to get my food shopping done three days early." I'm like, that's a <laughs> really good problem to have. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, should be should should be a great slate of games, and uh, we will talk about those uh, on Wednesday. So as we'll always, thank you all too. Oh my gosh. Yeah, basketball season, baby. Too much happening right now, man. Too much happening. Yes. But we, we we can we can air our grievances later. As always, thank you for listening and uh we will talk to you all on Wednesday.